Well, we're picking up right where we left off last week in the Gospel of Mark uh, with the account of a healing of a blind man named Bartimaeus. Uh, And in this morning's sermon, I'm going to be going back to my Baptist roots, uh, not with regard to the length of the sermon, but with regard to its structure. Uh, Namely, it's going to be a three-point sermon. So there's three things we can learn from blind Bartimaeus and from his encounter with Jesus. There are, of course, more than three things we can learn from this text. We can never plumb the depths of Scripture, but for the sake of time, we're just going to focus on three. Number one, we see how to pray. Namely, that we ought to be persistent in prayer and that we ought to ever be mindful of who we are praying to. Bartimaeus cries out repeatedly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he knows, at least in part, who he's addressing. He's calling him the son of David, which is a title for the Messiah. And The natural son of David, the immediate son of David, uh, Solomon, was known as a healer and an exorcist, but as a healer. And it was believed on the basis of prophets like Isaiah that the Messiah, the son and Lord of David, would be a healer. Isaiah writes, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. So he's calling out to Jesus. He's calling out to this one who he believes to be the Messiah, looking for healing. And not just healing of the body, but also healing for the soul. So he's crying out repeatedly. And he does so not using vain repetitions, but holy repetitions. Continues to cry out, have mercy. On account of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, on what he calls vain vain repetitions, some have concluded, perhaps many have concluded, that all repetition is vain. But, think about it for a second. The very addition of the adjective vain implies that there are some repetitions which are not vain. We are not to, of course, attempt to treat God like a pagan deity. We're not to attempt to impress or seduce or manipulate the divine through many words. We aren't to think of prayer as incantation. Such prayer is indeed vain, useless. But we are to seek the face of God with the usually few words which God has given us through his Son, through the Scriptures, and through his church. And Lord have mercy is one such prayer. Oftentimes we'll find in life it's all that we can muster. We should ever with Bartimaeus be praying, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. And we persist in crying out to Almighty God, knowing the nature and the character of the one 
to whom we cry out. The one to whom we pray is merciful. His mercy endures forever. We persist in prayer in, through, and to Jesus, being ever mindful of his love for us, love that he demonstrated when he stretched out his arms on the cross. We continue to pursue Jesus. We continue to approach the throne of grace with confidence because Jesus is our merciful, loving, and perfect high priest who died for our sins and rose again and is therefore alive to make intercession for us. Number two, we see in the story of blind Bartimaeus how to deal with, quote, nuisances. Why does, why does the crowd essentially shush Bartimaeus? Well, one is maybe they were scared. Again, to call Jesus the son of David is to proclaim him as the Messiah, that is, as the king of the Jews and the Lord of the world. So you can imagine Jesus and his disciples, they're leaving Jericho. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. A large crowd is following him, shouts proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah, proclaiming him as a king, could be interpreted on the one hand by the Jews, particularly the religious leaders who were vehemently opposed to Jesus, uh, as blasphemy. And on the other hand, it could be interpreted by the Romans as insurrection. I mean, think about what happens in the Gospels. Just a little while later, before Pilate in Jerusalem, it's this, these dynamics of king, who is king and who is lord. So it could be that they're, they're shushing him because they don't want trouble to happen either with the Jews or with the Romans. Or perhaps they were annoyed. They're fine, these people have heard about Jesus. They finally get to see him. They're with him. And this guy is ruining it. He won't shut up. They can't even hear Jesus speak. Earlier in this very same chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 10, the disciples get annoyed with the children at church. <laughs> they get annoyed with the babies. And Jesus gets angry at them for getting annoyed. And he says what? Suffer the little children. Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for such belongs to the kingdom of God. So we learn that God wants babies in church. He doesn't want them children. He doesn't want them off by themselves the whole time where they're, they're neither seen nor heard. They want, he wants them before his throne. So we learn from this account to never say to the young or to the poor or to the disabled or to the weird and disruptive, go over there and enjoy Jesus. But realizing that those who might be an inconvenience to us, those who might disrupt our time with the Lord, we might say go, but Jesus says come. And just be recognizing that every person we meet 
is made in the image of God. Every person that we meet is one for whom Christ died. And that Christ's body should treat everyone in a manner that's consistent with its head, which is Christ. And Christ called this loud, perhaps annoying, blind man to himself. Finally, number three, in Bartimaeus, we see true repentance and faith. The healing of Bartimaeus is both physical and spiritual, meaning that there is a spiritual interpretation of this text, but also that in this account, Bartimaeus was healed. He was saved, if you will, in body and soul. We could say that before he met Jesus, he was blind in body and in spirit, and Jesus gives sight to both. He was destitute materially and spiritually, and Jesus gives him abundant life. It is significant, if we look at this as an allegory for repentance and faith, which is valid to do, Jesus compares physical blindness to spiritual blindness in the Gospels. It's significant that Bartimaeus leaves his cloak behind. When Jesus comes, he leaves his cloak. Now, it's highly unlikely that he was using his cloak for warmth in Jerusalem. He was using it most likely to collect the money. And Jesus calls him and he gets up and he goes over. So he, he's not like these, um, lep- if you remember the lepers that were healed, most of them do not come back to thank Jesus. He leaves, he's ready to go all in. He leaves his old life, as it were. He puts his faith in Jesus and follows him. His whole life, not just his bodily life, makes a 180-degree turn. So the account of blind Bartimaeus at what we can call the allegorical level, which in no way undermines the literal level, the narrative of what actually happened, it gives the shape of conversion both initial and continuous conversion. As to the former, we were in, before we met Jesus, before we came to faith in Christ and we were baptized into his body and into his church and all of our sins were washed away, we were like Bartimaeus. We were blind. We were destitute. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And Like Bartimaeus, there was nothing that we could do for ourselves to better our situation. Our only option was to call out for the mercy of God. The only option was Jesus, who alone could bring salvation and healing. Conversion is also continuous. The Christian life is a life of conversion, of turning more and more away from sin and from the things of this world, and from our disordered passions, and turning unto the cross of Jesus Christ, and being remade in his image. And when we fall into sin, we need to repent. We need to turn. And Jesus is ever calling us unto himself. He's calling us into deeper union and fellowship. Christ is calling uh, each one of us in various and sundry ways. This happens throughout our lives. We're where Christ wants to, we know him, we love him, he loves us, we're in fellowship with him, but God brings things in our lives. There, there's, there's moments, 
There's forks in the road where, where he's calling you to a higher plane. He's calling you to greater sacrifice. He's calling you to greater discipleship, to greater maturity. He's calling you to leave your cloak behind, to leave the old way of life behind. He's calling you out of, if you're in sin, out of, a dark, of darkness into the light. He's calling us out of perhaps self-pity and disordered self-love into his loving arms. So brothers and sisters, may God the Holy Spirit, as we this morning reflect upon Bartimaeus, remove where need be the scales from our eyes so that we may see how to pray, that we may see the nuisances and interruptions in life as potentially the outworking of God's love and purposes for the world and for his creation and for the people whom he loves. And may we see and may we have the grace to walk in repentance and faith. May we come this morning afresh to Jesus in all of our brokenness and all of our need to receive from him healing and forgiveness so that we can say in our heart of hearts, I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see.